Good evening. Good to be with you all this evening. Glad you're here to worship together. Um, I'd just like to start off by saying Ralph did contact me. He did ask me what I was talking about. It wasn't a, he just guessed. Um, I didn't really know because I didn't know I was going to be up here until about two days ago. And not that this is a thrown together, together lesson. I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, it was just something uh, that I hadn't actually put down onto paper, and so hopefully my thoughts came together well, and it makes sense. So, I'm assuming as I came up here, most people can assume what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, it's probably no surprise that I'm probably going to talk about something that has to do with sports. Um, but not necessarily just sports in and of itself. I'm going to try to tie it into the theme of the year, uh, train up a child in the way they should go. And so... My title for this lesson, maybe, try this again, is Lessons Learned from Coaching and or Observing Children in Learning, Engaging, and Playing Sports, Part 1. <laughs> so I've left myself some availability that this may be an ongoing series for the next 20 years. Um, so just bear with me on that. Now, before I get started... I would like to just point out that, yes, I come up here and talk about sports, and yes, people say I really love sports, but I've realized if you talk to my children within the last year or two, they've started to make me feel like I don't actually like sports. <laughs> Compared to them, I, uh, I don't really like sports that much. So, as a lot of you know, um, under eight, this is under eight soccer. Um, I started, Kazuma played on the team... Uh, I think we started last fall for U8 soccer, and I started my coaching journey. I did it for the money. Uh, as a lot of people start their jobs, it's probably for the money. I started coaching for the money when I realized, well, Kazuma can play for free if I coach. I was like, well, sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, so I started coaching. But in that path as I was coaching, I started to learn some things from my observations, and not just from watching Kazuma but the other children that were on his team. Um, obviously, I was coaching a team of, I think we had about eight kids at the time. It was four kids on the field at a time. There were, I didn't know any of them besides Kazuma. And so there was quite a few things that I took note of. And uh, I started taking those observations, and I said, well, this is just something that kids are going through. And then as I started thinking about it more, I was like, well, maybe it's not just kids. So I'm going to take some applications to what I saw on the field and then how we can apply it to ourselves. So the first thing I noticed, um, there's definitely a lot of sadness that was going on on the field. Now, Will's preference that I don't know Kazuma is sad in this picture. Um, it just looked kind of like he was sad, so I was like, well, let's just throw it in there. It looks like a sad kid um, on a soccer field, maybe because he's by himself or I don't know why. But um, one of the things that I saw a lot was that Okay, they all came in at the same time. But depression can come quickly. Um, maybe that comes from them not scoring. Maybe they're not getting passes. Maybe they're just getting scored on all the time. Um, the other kids are playing too rough. Uh, even just losing in and of itself. Maybe they lost the entire game. Or maybe they're just behind by a lot of points. And that typically would make every kid on my team very sad. And often that sadness would lead to them wanting to quit. 
Now, whether it's just quit trying the game or some of them ask, can I just go sit with my parents? <laughs> it's, it's really hard to then try to say, well, no, we, we got to keep playing this game when kids are sad. And so as my thought to the transition was, well, what about us? And what about when we get sad? And so the same thing, I thought, well, this sadness and depression can often come quickly for ourselves. So maybe things aren't going our way. Maybe we thought something in our spiritual life was supposed to be going one direction and it's going the other way, and it makes us get down on ourselves. Maybe that there's no one that seems to be helping us or wanting, or even wanting our help. we got both sides of the scenario where, okay, I need some help, nobody's asking me, but then no one's also asking me for help. So I, have, I, I can get down about that. Or maybe nothing seems to be improving. We have situations where uh, this really needs to change, and it doesn't seem to be changing. And so now... Uh, what do I do? I can't really seem to change it no matter how hard I try. And that leads us to the same result, where we may just want to quit. We may not want to try anymore because we don't see that same thing in anybody else, so why do it? We see an example of similar, similarity in Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1, we read of the scenario here where um, Paul is talking And he says here, So if we do not want to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strengths, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and he has yet to deliver us, you also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given to many persons on behalf of for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So there was a situation where they got to an affliction where they said, well, it's pretty much like death. We, were, we, we have this peril. They were probably sad. But through this, they realized, well, the answer is we need to lean on God more. And so for us and ourselves, when we get sad, we have... The answer of God. We know we need to put our trust and our faith in God and have that hope that he will deliver us from those situations. And so my transition back to the soccer and the coaching was, well, what about the kids, right? That's, that hope's not really there, right? It's a soccer game. And so there's an encouragement. So as I realized from coaching is that encouragement was something that's greatly needed, and I realized that it's greatly needed all the time. It wasn't something I could just say once at the beginning of the game and say, okay, guys, let's go give it our all. You guys are great, and that'd be it. So the interesting thing about this encouragement was, well, I kind of knew how to encourage Kazuma. So that was great. But I didn't really know any other kids. I didn't know how to encourage them or get them when they wanted to quit. And the type of encouragement that I had to do also changed based off the situation. So it's not always the same for each child, as I said. So maybe we're winning. You still need to encourage them to keep trying. If they're losing, you can't just quit. If it's a close game, there's a different kind of encouragement to say, okay, what, how are we going to associate this? It was also interesting that this encouragement was never given from, by their teammates. It was always had to be for me or else they weren't going to get encouragement. And we were in a situation where they couldn't really hear their parents, but oftentimes parental encouragement is not something you find in youth sports too much. It's usually yelling on the other end. 
And so it came down to me to try to encourage these kids and to say the right things, to help them to see that, okay, well, if we're not winning, that's okay. Or if we're winning, let's continue to do what we're doing well, um, regardless of the outcome of this game. And so what about our spiritual encouragement? I see the exact same things, that encouragement is greatly needed all the time. It's not a one-time thing. I can say, good job to Ryan after one lesson, and that'd be the end of my encouragement to Ryan for the rest of the time we're here. As I said earlier, that type of, cha- that type of encouragement will change depending on the situation. It's not always the same for each person here because we're all different. The way I encourage Ryan is going to be the, differently than the way I encourage Dave. We need to be, have that encouragement whether we're happy, whether they're happy, or whether they're sad. So that emotions are going to change, and so is the way I'm going to encourage even that same person based off the situation. And so that's part of the, what makes it really difficult, is that not only is everybody different, but the way I have to encourage that person, depending on their situation, is also different. So my example, or the thought in the scripture I have, is Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. I think we understand that our job is to encourage one another. And as I learned from the children, that it's part of it is to con- help people to continue, help people to not want to quit. Um, that if you're left on your own, that seems to be a, just a natural way that you will go, is that you'll just want to quit. And so then as we look, continue to look at the soccer field, I looked at some gameplay, and this is in regards to the players on the field. So something I thought was interesting was that passing or asking for a pass does not seem to be a very natural thing for four- to six-year-olds to do. And a lot of times, there's this very singular focus. I think Riley put it pro- very aptly that it is herd ball, where... One, you see the ball, you go get the ball. And so you have six of the eight kids all playing there, and two of the other ones might be picking, picking dandelions off the field. But they had their own focus. And so it's very much that they, their goal, in which they understand, and rightly so, the goal is to score. And so when somebody tells you you need to go score, as a four-year-old, your option is, well, I'm going to go get the ball so I can go score. And so part of that is they also can't see what's around them. They, they just see the ball, and that's it. But what's interesting is every now and then, you'd get a kid who would pass the ball. And they would pass the ball, and they would immediately look over at me and stand there and just wait for me to appraise them and tell them they did a good job, not realizing there's still other stuff going on. We're not done playing. And this usually ended, most of the game was me just yelling, no, Yelling was not angrily, it was loudly because I'm trying to get their attention. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. And it's, it's, I think this is a common thing, not just in sports, for a, I don't know, under 10-year-old to, once they have a focus, they, they, everything goes off. They have earmuffs on and they have no idea what else is going on. So no matter what I said, it's very rare that they would actually hear me saying, pass the ball. And... 
I think we actually realize that even in our adult league, that it's, it's very hard to hear other people when you have a goal in mind. So what about ourselves? We look at, at we as adults, our Christian, I'll say it, game time. So sometimes handing off things or passing things over and asking for help is very hard for us to do. Because we have that singular focus and we might say, well, this is my task. And there's nothing wrong with saying this is my task, I need to get done. But sometimes that causes us to miss the bigger picture. We're so focused on the thing that we're trying to get done that we miss, well, what, what else is actually going on? And we want to accomplish that task, whatever it is that we have is in front of us, no matter what it takes. We can have that singular focus can drive us to a point where it doesn't really matter what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this done regardless of who else is on the side or what else is happening because I'm the only one who can get this done. And sometimes we just do things because we want praise and recognition for the things that we do. If we haven't been praised, if we haven't been encouraged, as I mentioned earlier, now we might start doing stuff to get that encouragement and the praise that we were needing prior. But the interesting thing is, oftentimes, we have people who are, I'm going to say yelling, to offload some things so they can help. But we're so focused on that thing that's happening that we don't actually hear somebody saying, let me help you. As they say, well, how can I help is really a call to say, let me help you because I see something you may not be seeing. In Galatians chapter 2, we see, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. And this is a two-sided statement. It's a statement that says, well, this is what I need to do is to bear one another." My or my brother's burden, but it also the other side says I have to allow them to bear my burden. Is that if you don't know what my burden is, then you cannot bear it. So there's two sides that we have to recognize, and sometimes it's recognize which side we're on. And this scenario usually we're on the side of well, I'm not going to let people know what's wrong, so they can't actually help me out. But then there was the other side of the gameplay, and that was well, what was I observing? what was happening to me while everything else was going on. And so while everything was going on, it, I realized that it was impossible for me to see every, it was impossible for me to see everything that was going on. Not just players on the field to see what's happening on the field, but I could not watch everything that's happening on the field. Now, as a parent, I of course wanted to watch Kazuma. I, I wanted to focus in and see, well, how's he doing? How can I help him to get better? But realizing, okay, I agreed to coach this team. There are other kids on the field. And so now I'm trying to balance Kazuma, I'm trying to balance the other kids, and I'm also trying to balance the kids who are on the bench. Because they're not focused, because they don't have a task at hand besides sitting on the bench, and if you try to get a four- to six-year-old to sit still while they're not doing anything and everyone else is playing the game they want to play, that doesn't go very well. They're usually kicking balls or on the sidelines, and those balls would roll on the field, and we had to stop play, and yeah, it was just a, a mess. And then I would get these times where kids would run over to me because me and the other coach were also having to be the officials and they'd be complaining about something. Something that happened on the field that I didn't see, right? Or the other coach didn't see. Maybe somebody ran into them, somebody shoved them, somebody kicked them in the shin and they thought it was on purpose and now they're complaining to me. And I am like, I, I, I don't know what happened, right? I didn't see it. I can't address that situation, and so you have to try to deal with this, deal with these emotions that are going on when nobody actually saw what was happening. And so as I was thinking about, well, how does this apply to us? I think the important thing to notice is, well, 
oftentimes when we're doing stuff, everybody doesn't have visibility to what everyone else is doing. I think this is especially critical at this time as we have five new teams that we've established within the last year or so that we have a bunch of events that are going on, planning that's going on, that there are, there are a ton of things that are happening right now. I, I don't know everything that's happening right now. And sometimes, I think we have to realize is that because there's so much going on, you may not get the encouragement, you may not get the praise that you think might be coming to you because somebody may not realize that you did something because it, it was there, it happened, but if nobody knows, then that's the way it is. And I think we have this struggle sometimes from our readings, which we'll see things in, okay, like in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 says, Be careful not to perform your righteous acts before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by men, truly, tell you, truly I tell you, they have already have their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you can, may give in secret, and your Father who sees is done in secret and reward you. So we take verses, we see things like this, and we're like, well, I don't want to tell people what I'm doing. <laughs> but then people sometimes are like, well, I want to be an encourager, so I need to know what you're doing. And so we have this weird balance that we try to figure out, well, how do I, how do I let people know what's going on without letting people know what's going on? <laughs> and I think some of this just needs to be a, we need to be open Everything, I think, for the most part, this congregation, we're good at being open. We know what's going on, or we're trying to be transparent. No one's trying to hide things. Um, and it goes back to the encouragement. It goes back to what we're doing and how we're handling people. But I think the biggest watch out is that we have to be careful of not thinking that, well, because I don't see it, doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because I don't see somebody working doesn't mean they aren't working. And I think that's just oftentimes a conclusion or a head is, well, if I don't see it, then it didn't actually happen. And then the last part I want to talk about is, well, what happens at the end of a game? I think this was part of the interesting thing that I noted about children and playing sports. And so what I noticed is that even in victory, praise from their teammates was unnatural. I say unnatural, it just wasn't something that came often. And what I meant, what I saw it the first time is when somebody on Kazuma's team scored, I saw everybody like cheered, yay, we scored, but they all did it individually in their own space. And then they came back and got ready to play again. And I was just like, no high fives, no good job teammate, no nothing. So it, it was just, uh, it was a very interesting routine. And I also noticed it, so as Anybody who's played organized sports, I think you would understand that at the end of a game, the game ends, whistle blows, the game's over, what do you do? You go line up on a line across from the other team, you walk past each other, you give each other high fives, say good job, congratulate the team that won, say hey, you guys played well to the team that lost. Even to this day, continuing to coach, what happens when the whistle blows and the game's over all the kids sprint to their parents. And I, like the first time that happened, I'm standing on this line, like expecting these kids to just know what's supposed to happen, and they're all gone. 
And so it's a, hey, we have to go talk to our opponents, whether we lost and say, hey, good job winning, or whether we won and say, hey, that was a great game, and we have to congratulate them. In Luke 15, we have three parables of losing something. And I'm not going to focus on the losing thing, but it's interesting what happens when something good happens to them. They call together their friends and they rejoice together. And that's kind of what the end of this soccer and what I think is happening is that, well, they need to rejoice together. You, you need to be able to celebrate with your team. You need to, even your opponents, to say, hey, I really enjoyed playing that game. Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Building that sense of team camaraderie is a little difficult in scenarios like this where I'm trying to coach a group of kids who probably aren't going to stay together that long. So you're trying to, eight weeks, try to get some kind of familiarity together, but more just teach them the principles, hey, um, you got to care for your teammates. So as I'm wrapping up here, there was some lessons. Oh, what's happening again? All right, so there. Okay, this might take a little bit. You can just watch it go round and round. I don't know if this is like a loading thing or. How many times do you think it's going to go? There we go. So then there's some lessons that I taught and some lessons learned that I think are applicable to us today. And yes, that is Kazuma, in case you were asking yourself. Uh, so one of those lessons is that being active and productive is, actually, is very hard work. And it doesn't always go the way that you hope it does. That being active when you're teaching a kid to play something is that you have to work hard, you have to practice, and you have to teach them you're not always going to win. It's not always what you hope that the result's going to be because I don't think there's a kid that you're going to have in a sport who's going to say, well, I hope we lose. I mean, they'll probably say it jokingly, but of course they want to win. They want, to, they want their hard work to pay off. But it's important to teach them, hey, it's not, you're not always going to win. There, there, will, there will be times when you're not. And the same thing happens to us is that we may be working hard. You may want some kind of recognition or praise and you may not get it you may expect it to go a certain way and it may not happen and that's just a lesson that I think we all need to learn the other le- the other th- another thing I said was that everyone needs encouragement and that's encouragement needs to happen often however it's going to look different depending on the situation so when I'm teaching these kids that hey your teammates they just scored you need to go tell them good job or your teammate just let in, let a ball go through the goal. You need to go tell them they'll get it next time. And the same thing happens with us, that we need to be able to encourage one another when things are happening. When we know someone did a good job, tell them they did a good job. I think Ryan is a good example of this. I don't know if there's a time when I've gotten up to say anything that he hasn't found me after a service and told me, hey, you did a good job, regardless of how I think I did on that. Um, and I think that's how we need to be, is that we need to recognize when someone's doing whatever it is, there, there needs to be some kind of recognition. And I know I am not good at that, uh, verbally doing it. Um, it's more of I think it in my head and don't go say it, so I'll take this time to say I recognize the things that everyone here is doing, and you're all doing a great job. Another point that 
What's taught and is learned is sometimes we need to ask for help to achieve our goals. We can't do it all ourselves. There were always these kids on the field who wanted to take the ball coast to coast. They wanted to go from one goal to the other goal and score. And I think that was the goal of most kids. But not realizing, hey, there's three defenders in front of me, my teammate's standing right in front of the goal. If I just passed it, we could have scored. I think sometimes we do the same thing where we don't recognize somebody's waiting there with maybe more expertise or is in better position to handle something than we are ourselves. We all need help, and we all need to be willing to help, ask for that help. And finally, we need to notice that we don't have visibility on everything that's going on. I think part of our goals, even on a soccer field, is try to recognize and look more around us and not just at our feet and the ball that's right in front of us, but recognize what all's happening. We can't assume that because we don't see others in the work that they're doing that they aren't working. And we also have to say that we're not always going to get the praise we want or need because it may not be evident to everyone else the work that we're doing. I think as we see these lessons that we can learn from kids playing soccer, we can apply them to our lives and grow and help ourselves and hopefully to help better edify one another. And we have opportunity tonight that if there's any needs from anybody in the congregation, any help that you need at this time, you can come forward and ask if you need to correct your life or if you need to get your life right, be with God and be baptized at this time. Now is the time to do it as we stand and sing.